Jason Johannes. Welcome back to this episode of the All Things Blues and Southern Rock podcast. As always, we're very grateful for the downloads and participation on the Facebook page. And uh, we're closing in on a big number. We are 49 people away from 1,000 members on the Facebook group. And it's been, like, steadily increasing. Like, did, like, 25 overnight and another 25, so... Something's going on, but I like it. Then that's good. I did reach out to a lot of people I was friends with on Facebook and asked them to join okay. the group. Right so on. hopefully, I mean, you know, hopefully that worked some. I didn't, wasn't 25 people, though. Yeah. I have to mention uh, the we had one fan, and I don't know if I'll butcher his last name, but Nick, Nick Oksenyuk, O-K-S-E-N-I-U-K, and said he found us on Spotify and... He just started listening, and he's on the ninth episode. So thank you, Nick. I'll uh, mention this when we uh, release this episode. Thank you so much. Makes us feel real good that, you know, we can get somebody's attention. It's always kind of yeah, nice. Let's hope he sticks around past <laughs> episode 11 where I started. Yeah. I think it was episode 11. He's Nick, if I, me yet. if I butchered your last name, I'm sorry. You know, I should have just said Nick. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oxeniac? Oh. I'm looking. I'm looking right now. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. Well, Nick. Just Nick. Nick, you're the man. So, uh, what else is going on, man? Um. Well, you know, we're into the darkest part of winter pretty much in January now. So, we need some good news about good music and maybe some good festivals to keep us warm and... Uh, excited to get out of the this doldrums of winter and that just seems like what's going on because in the last few days like it's uh a couple of them came up here to the power and sound revival saturday may 22nd and julian north carolina and uh them dirty roses tennessee champagne uh, another band from north carolina whiskey foxtrot uh are gonna be playing there on that day um and in houston well, it's the Houston, Houston Music and Arts Fest, March 20, March 20 and 21, 11 to 9, Heritage Heritage Place Amphitheater, Conroe, Texas, our friends Stone Senate and the Georgia Thunderbolts will be playing that. And I sent you some stuff earlier about that. It, um, Outlaw Nation, which is the internet radio. I'm not sure. I want to make sure I'm quoting that right. I, I sent out an email to them about coming on and 
talked about how they that Outlaw Nation, you know, got uh, started and what they've done to like uh, produce this festival. And it looks like there's different dates. So it's like uh, I asked someone earlier if it's traveling or if it's, you know, the same bands or different bands or just they just have these events in different cities at different times. But it sure sounds interesting. And it's it's great to see these festivals pop up. And there was on the the one from Outlaw Nation. It, they go into detail talking about how they work out the social distancing and stuff, you know, because that's, you know. Yeah. You know, as we're supporting these things, you know, it makes me think about, you know, we're checking in to make sure, you know, it's always good to support things that support, you know, the taking all the precautions with COVID and all that. Absolutely, because not everybody's going to be vaccinated by the time these things roll around in March. Right. Right. I, I wish. Maybe they can. Here's what they need to do. Set up vaccination booths at these festivals. Right. Exactly. Yeah. People go with there do something. Well, I think, well, the, like I said, the the um, the Music and Arts Fest from Outlaw Nation, they are, you will get your temperature taken as you come in. Good. Okay. Well, and they're, that's outside, too, because these are in the Houston area. Yeah. So Houston in March isn't going to be nice. It's going to be moderate. People can be outside, spread out. Uh, mm-hmm. Sounds like they're doing it in a good, safe way. And with mm-hmm. a couple of our friends, like you mentioned before, too, some, some friends of the uh, podcast. Right. And we, uh, speaking of the podcast and speaking of our team here, we got uh, a new member. It's Carrie Gates, who will be, uh, you know, kind of our Southern correspondent going to some of these shows. And she she did just that here the other night at, at uh, in uh, New Year's Huntsville, Eve, right? Alabama. Yeah. What's that? Uh, New Year's Eve, right? Right, right. In Huntsville, Alabama, at Sidetracks, where the Georgia Thunderbolts opened for Magnolia Bayou. And she was there. She talked to a couple of folks, did some Facebook Live stuff. And, you know, she's uh, she's got a lot of stuff going on. You know, she is the – she heads up the Georgia Thunderbolts uh, fan club. and she, strikers, correct? Yeah, and she, she heads up – she's a, a Facebook administrator – you know, for the Thunderbolts and from for Jive Mother Mary and Tennessee Champagne. So she is the, the fan group administrators for those three bands, our friends. And, you know, she's uh, heading up the, like we said, the Georgia Thunderbolts fan club. And she's just a, she's a player. She's a major yep. player out there. And we're, Carrie, so we're thanking you for coming on board with us and, helping us in some capacity and when we can't be there and just uh, so proud to have you part of this. And she's going to be on here hopefully soon doing a full guest segment. So that's just awesome. And we did post that the other day. And so I just want to reiterate that. Yeah. Welcome aboard here. We're glad to have you. You did an excellent job on New Year's Eve with pictures and video and everything else. And, you know, she's a, she's a fan of this type of music, obviously with what she's doing as, as administrator on these pages and promoting it and, that's the type of uh, thing that we want to help support, and you know, let's do it. It's a, it's a good partnership. And also, we found out in that interview, uh, Bristol Perry's mom, the drummer for the Thunderbolts, heads up their merch. So it's nice to see families involved, man. That's just awesome. Yeah, it really is too. And um, well, like um, Southern Governor, right? That's a bit. That's a that's a family uh, group as well too. I, the band members, but I think the family helps or 
manages or something too, right? Yeah, for sure. You know, when I uh, talked to uh, Drew from Magnolia Bayou quite a while ago, and he, I always posed that question of like, you know, it, it's so cool that you guys didn't like go to Nashville. And not to, I got to be careful there. I'm not meaning to criticize people that go there. It just, you know, it's kind of cool that some that kind of go against that grain. And he said, well, you know, all our support and all our family is there in, in Gulfport, Mississippi. So um, why go anywhere else? Right. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, it's, especially if it's working for you out of that home base, you've got friends and family to support you and get where you need to be. Um, why, why move unless you don't have to? Well, also that uh, at that show for the uh, Power and Sound Revival, I believe, came across this band I hadn't heard of before called Framing the Red from Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, I'm going to send those guys an email. I shared the song and it's like, they're just like another band and they're not new, but to us, it's just, they just kind of popped yep. up. So it's like, great. Awesome. You know, I listened to the track to to. and at first I thought Framing the Red was the name of the song. And then I realized it was the name of the band. Did you happen to see the guy, like they did the little 26 minute documentary no, I didn't. Were there in the studio? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Very I'll cool. Check it out. Yeah, for check sure. Check it out. You found the Holy Rollers, <laughs> right? Holy Roller Baby. Right, right, yeah. Which that's a cool band, too, that uh, I listened to this whole CD of theirs um, online. I dig it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Out of Dallas, I believe. Out of Dallas. And did you find them on that that list of Blues <sighs> and Southern Rock? Or Where, yeah, I, uh, like, I found it. Yeah, I can't remember where the the list I got from, like a record company list or something. I I ought to look back and I should try to remember that stuff. But no, that was a good catch, good fun. Yeah, for sure. So <laughs> we have. Well, we, go ahead. We have a new segment called "Let the Crucifixion Begin." <laughs> Our participant, who doesn't even know or wouldn't care if he, you know, not that he'll ever hear, but Gene Simmons. Let's talk about Gene Simmons. So, of course, he's said the things about, like, Rock is dead. He said it a while ago, and he doubled down on it recently. And prior to that, around the same time, like, you know, he brings up, you know, the whole kind of, uh, Spotify thing and downloading and streaming services. Now, I will say that I will agree with the part like it's very fucked up that bands are losing their, you know, their royalties, their song royalties. You know, I have no idea how all that works, but you, you just wish it could be the best of both worlds because the younger bands, like they're, you know, they got Spotify, their songs are getting out there. Hey, that's great. And then for the people who've been around a long time, it's, you know, they're getting their royalties taken away. And I also, it's not, you know, I don't want to sit and think, oh, why does Gene Simmons need more money? I'm not trying to say that, but, but the, I don't know, the whole rock is dead thing. It's like, look, man, what about all the bands that we talk about down Southeast, you know, and he's saying, well, rock, you know, there's no one doing any glamor or excitement and all this stuff. And it's like, well, have you been to a Blackberry Smoke show? Have you been to see Tyler Bright and the Shakedown? Have you seen... Blackstone Cherry, you know, I just, you know, I don't know, I just don't see him as like the Svengali of like telling anybody what rock, you know, is deceased, you know, I mean, and he says, well, like, well, from an industry standard, but, you know, what about from a musician standards, you know, it, 
it just I can see where you know like obviously the big music business and all that you know they they uh, supported a lot of artists they promoted records and tours and and elevated a lot of people and made a lot of money but at the same time you know I, I it's just my opinion that they also created something where it's like you have to sell millions of records and and you know through FM radio and MTV as time went on you're being exposed to less and less and less to choose from so. I'm kind of a little bit more calmed down than I was a couple of days ago. I was be like throwing f bombs everywhere, well, you know. Here's where what makes me upset is he's complaining about that, but he's in a really good position to be able to go out there and promote rock music that is out and is flourishing. You know, if he's got a problem with it, he goes. He should go out and find out and help promote some of these bands that are out there, and that could use somebody in his position to help him out. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and he's always talking about you know like oh like. When Kiss came out, we were gonna give we gave you the show that no no one saw before, and it's like, yeah, I mean, just to you know, it's kind of like Joe Perry said in there. I have a, uh, I have a Kiss autobiography. It's like behind the makeup or something, and where they did all the interviews separate with all those guys, just like they did Motley Crue, The Dirt, mm-hmm. and they got they got comments from stuff, and you know, Joe Perry is talking about, you know, those, those guys played a lot together in the seventies and stuff and kiss opened up for Aerosmith and he goes, we first saw them and they're doing like fire bombs and heavy makeup. And we thought, you know, and then we'd come on five drunk guys arguing in between, in between songs with the play next. And he's like, are we going to have to start doing this stuff? And then, you know, I think later on he, he played a couple tunes with them one night on their on a show once. And he said, you know, Hey, they got some good songs, but I'd never listened to a kiss record from front to back. I can't necessarily say that because I the second record hotter than hell I do like, um, and you know Kiss Alive Two is the first record I bought. It's, I heard heavy guitars and loud, you know, the crowd and on my little, you know, little suitcase record player as a kid. Yeah. I'd listen to that thing over and over and over. But to kind of I don't know. He just I know Gene Simmons is Gene Simmons, but you know to come across like oh you know like because some bands don't have this big glamorous image and lasers and firebombs and you know running all over and shooting lasers out of your guitars that doesn't make it not good no and who can afford to do that too the the music industry is so tough on everybody where they're only making money by going to shows and selling merch not by albums not anything else even if they wanted to do that you can't afford to do that kind of stuff and employ the people that takes to set that stuff up either so very disingenuous of of gene gene center yeah yeah you know, and he, he has some valid points. He goes, well, there'll never be another Beatles. We're like, well, no shit, motherfucker. You know what I mean? I mean, there'll like, never be Rolling Stones or Led Zeppelin or Jimi Hendrix or Clapton, right. of course. But that's not to say, like, there's never going to be good again. It's, it's it's this whole aspect of, like, well, everything was way better in the past. And the, there, there have been spectacular moments that well, may, you know, might not be repeated in, in the bands that we mentioned and whatnot. But it just... I don't know. Maybe I should be a little more grateful about like this thing in the Southeast that's more like under the radar and we're getting to be part of that, you know, and be part of that community. And maybe it's not for everybody. I, I find it that it's, it's uh, a lot like blues. I think, you know, blues, just like uh, Keith Richards and rats and cockroaches will survive a nuclear Holocaust. I mean, blues has survived every musical trend that's come and gone, you know, and I, and I kind of, I see, you know, the people, our friends, the artists we're talking to, they're more like the blues kind of working musicians and specifically, you know, rock stars. And, right. you know, before there was Kiss, there was Alice Cooper. So 
and he even said that, you know, and, and you know, where did I read that in that book too? He goes, well, what if there were four Alice Coopers? And, you know, they got the whole idea from Alice Cooper. Plus they never give credit to all the people in their organization that helped them become what they are. But anyway, fuck Gene Simmons. <laughs> Seconded. Yeah. All right. We've gotten that off our chest. So tell the listeners who our guests are, please, Jason. Well, you actually already mentioned the name without alluding to there are our guests. We're talking about a couple of festivals, particularly one that's coming up in May in North Carolina, featuring some of our friends, uh, them Dirty Roses, who I believe are headlining, with the support of our guest this week, Whiskey Foxtrot, out of Green, Greenville, North Carolina, correct? Correct. Uh, they are a band, but they started out as, as you'll hear, uh, two solo artists who got together um, over playing many shows and decided to form a band. Um, if you like old Tom Petty, um, a lot of old, I don't even know, alternative country music, um, this, this band's going to be right up your alley. Yeah, and the guys we talked to, Sam Rogers and Seth Williams, were, like I said, in different bands and playing solo and they got together and said, Hey, let's put a band together. And they're writing songs like crazy. And that, uh, record, you know, headlights and hard lines or no, excuse me, hard lines and headlights, um, came out right as the pandemic was starting. Yep. So right unfortunately they didn't time. get to go out there and support it. So they just started writing a new batch of songs for something that's going to come out in the future. So With I think some space uh, jams, as they promised that. Right. Here. Yeah. <laughs> So I think with that, you guys will all enjoy uh, this interview with uh, Seth and Sam from Whiskey Foxtrot. One, two, three, four. Well, we're back with our guests this week on the All Things Blues and Southern Rock podcast. As always, I just throw this thing over to Jason to tell the listeners who we have with us this week. Thank you, Brian. Hey, it's our pleasure to introduce uh, Seth Williams and Sam Foster from the ground, the band. What was I going to say? The ground, the band Whiskey Foxtrot. Welcome, guys. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, happy New Year to you guys both. Likewise, likewise. Absolutely. We're looking for a strong 21 and see, you know, you guys and everybody else out on the road making music and getting out there to perform this year. It's fingers crossed. Yep. Hope we can get back to it. And we've got some, some new stuff we're working on, new records. So we're hoping uh, it's going to be a fun year. Right on. What what have you guys been doing during the, the pandemic? Man, to... man, we've just been getting together, rehearsing, working up a lot of new material and, um, you know, just trying to get a strong schedule for 2021. You know, everything's kind of in in limbo right now, so we're just trying to get ready for whatever's coming. You know. Yep. Now your record came out like right right before this whole thing started, right? The whole uh, <laughs> pandemic. Fe- February. Yep. Feb- came out February 1st and 2020, and it was out for like a solid month and a half, and then everything shut down. <laughs> it's bad timing, man. It doesn't help with the. Uh... Uh, getting a good uh, head of steam on the album that does it. Yeah, honestly, you know, it's it's had a really good response, and good. Uh, we were we were really looking forward to touring behind it, and of course that didn't happen. But uh, all things considered, it it did pretty well, and we're yeah. happy. Well, I mean, good. Tell, what, I'm going to tell the listeners the title of the record. 
title of the record is Hard Lines and Headlights. Right on, right on. So, guys, tell, tell me a little bit. How did the band get formed? Uh, it was actually formed between me and Sam first. Uh, we started playing a lot of duo shows together, I guess, 2015, 2016. Mm-hmm. And we would just start showing up at each other's shows and like it was getting to the point where we would be booked at the same place so like on a on a saturday i would play but then like a sunday he's like well you're going back right i'm going up there this sunday you just want to come so you know it would always be back to back playing shows together and we just you know the camaraderie and doing it together with a good friend we were just like well let's just go ahead and, and start something yeah which you guys, so you guys both started out as solo artists, saw, you know, each other's shows, played some gigs together, kind of kind of formed a band from that. Did you guys, prior to the band, ever get together and, like, jam with each other on stage? Yeah, uh, it really started, we met at, like, songwriter rounds, um, and that's where we met, and we'd, we'd jam with each other on stage, like yeah. I'd, like you said, I'd, we'd show up at each other's shows and be like, hey, Seth, come play some songs, and and then, but we, the more we got to know each other, we both had the same end goal in mind. I was like, well, let's just start a band and just join forces. Yeah. And all our other music friends already had started bands or were doing their own thing. And we were the only two that were like, well, let's, let's go ahead and some guys and do yeah. it. Because <laughs> I don't know how to play guitar very well. So I just let <laughs> Seth do all the heavy <laughs> Sam, are you playing any instruments on the album? Oh, yeah, I did a lot of rhythm guitar work. Okay. Uh, all the lead stuff you hear is Seth. Okay. The, the and slide. That, that's uh, Terry Van Cannon on slide yeah. there. He was our uh, lap steel player. Okay, so tell us about who rounds out the rest of the band for you guys then. Uh, we kind of had a lineup change up. Yeah, the, the <laughs> okay. album came out, and, uh, and with the pandemic shut down, everyone kind of had a chance to reassess. So we had a lineup change. So right now, uh, the band is Seth and I both playing guitar and singing, and then Brad Cardill on bass and Jacob Kuhn on the drums. Okay. All right, good. Well, hopefully we get an opportunity for you guys to get out there and, and you know, make some music with these with this new crew that you got here. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like I said, just behind closed doors, there's been a lot going on and, you know, lots of rehearsing, lots of... Um, like I said, new material, and it's constantly, it's one of those things with two songwriters in the band, especially when we started writing this new material. I mean, he was knocking it out left and right. I mean, he would like, we would play like maybe a little show, do a little something, and then that drive home, he he would call me and go, hey man, I just wrote a new song. I was like, man, I just saw you 30 minutes ago. How did you do that? And so it's just like, you know, with a lot of downtime and an idle mind, that is uh, that is one good thing to, uh, I guess, a songwriter or any creative person for sure. Yeah. Well, Jupiter, Sam, you sound ahead. like Ryan Adams. Like that guy would go to the bathroom and come out with five new songs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I hope that's the only way I'm like that. <laughs> <laughs> we won't talk about any of the stuff aside, but yes, yeah. that, that, that dude just come out with 15 albums a year, I think, if he was allowed to. Yeah, that's it, guys like him and Neil Young, too, and everybody just constantly creating something. And I never thought that I'd be able to do that. But from like June until now, we've just been cranking out new music and recording. We've got a new album that's pretty much done. We've just got a few things left to do. Yeah. You talk about songwriting. In fact, he was like, hey, man, I just wrote a new song. I think I'm going to swap it out with this one. It's yeah. like you have more material than we need right now. <laughs> Double album. Come on. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The pandemic sessions, double album. Let's do it. Yes. I'd love to do that. Yeah. 
Well, tell us a little bit about, so you guys are from North Carolina, right? North Carolina is not necessarily known like, you know, we're, we talk a lot about Southern rock and blues bands where you've got Nashville or Atlanta or Florida or other places, but North Carolina. Now I know a couple of people from North Carolina that, that are kind of popular. Now you got Warren Haynes, um, you've got Marcus King, like the dude shirt I'm wearing. Ryan Adams, I think is originally from North Carolina. Yeah. What's, what's the thing? What's the music scene like in North Carolina? It's it's pretty rich, really. Not yeah. necessarily uh, just in the southern rock band, but I mean, there's all kinds of bands from country to, you know, more indie rock style bands, punk. Uh, between the Triad, Winston Salem, and Greensboro, even out to Raleigh, there's just there's a whole music scene going on. Like Raleigh, uh, back in the '90s, had the whole alt country scene with mm-hmm. Rhymes and Two Dollar Pistols, and the Backsliders came from. Yeah. Yeah, North Carolina is definitely not just bluegrass and beach music. I mean, there's there's a lot, you know, none pun intended, but there's a lot in between right yeah. there. <laughs> when when all the bars were open, you could sit in Winston or Greensboro. You could go to just about any bar, and there's a band playing. It might be a cover band a lot of times, but I mean, even still, there's just people playing. Yeah, 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 and there's and there's a lot of original music that doesn't get to see the light of day, unfortunately. But it's out there, and you just if you look for it, it's there, man. And dude, it's 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 insane the amount of artists and just creative people in North Carolina in general. You mentioned the Backsliders. I, that caught me off guard. I, I think I've got like one CD of theirs. Um, that uh, someone that you listen to a lot, or oh, for for me, most definitely, I love the Backsliders and Six String Drag and. Two dollar pistols and anything John Howie's done really. Okay, I, I love all that stuff. The first time I'd heard of them, oddly Freed mentioned them in an interview. I, yeah, uh, they had like a song on the radio, and I went and got it at that time. Um, we also, you know, we uh, I believe we have some mutual friends. They're from uh, uh, Burlington, North Carolina. The guys in Jive Mother Mary. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I talked to Seth, and he said you guys have played some shows together. It's like, yeah, these guys are great guys. So, I mean, that's really – is it kind of coincidental? Like, you guys have you just stylistically similar in some ways? Have you known those guys a long time, or is that just coincidental? That- it's just one of those things. I think it just come up in the rotation when we started, you know. Uh, we, I, I guess we kind of knew of each other, but didn't ever – and meet and face to face but when we started playing it's like oh you're doing this and we're doing this so just that natural just you know linking up between musicians and kind of happened but no nah, they they're just uh incredible people uh, everyone in that band yeah. for sure a shit hot band to say the least oh for sure yeah if, if we were half as good as job mother mary you know who knows what would be right now <laughs> so also like a, a you know your music sounds you know, although it's new, it, it sounds like very familiar to me. And I like, we always wonder about influences, like what is, you know, uh, artists that are really good, they probably come through in some way. But like I, with you guys, I'm I like, something like I'm hearing Wilco and I'm hearing Tom Petty and Bruce Springsteen. I'm hearing Steve Earle. I mean, I don't mean that as a direct uh, comparison, but just these kind of stylistically, kind of stylistically, they kind of float up. Is, is that, you know, you guys take some of that stuff in? Oh, most definitely. That's everybody in the band, um, even before the lineup changed, everyone was so influenced by so many different types of music. We just have always been enthusiastic about blending all those together. Yeah. So, I mean, Seth is steeped in bluegrass and blues. You know, that's where a lot of his roots are from. And I love, like you said, Bruce and Tom Petty. And, you know, we all love 
stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a really good album. It's, you know, it's, um, it, it kind of starts, starts off a little bit almost all country or Americana style. And by the end of the album, you're really, I don't know if this was by choice, so kind of, kind of talk me through it, but really starting to get a lot of like more rock and energetic tracks. You got a little bit of experimental space jam at the very end of it. So yeah. Uh, yeah. kind of talk us through the album a little bit. I, I, Lord. It, it kind of started bits and pieces when we started the band and and we rounded out the lineup. It was more of just an idea of, hey, we got a few songs, you know, let's record them and get them done. So it was done kind of just in chunks over a couple of years there. Um, and as we grew and musically, you can hear that. And the kind of the stuff you hear later on the album is some of the later stuff that we recorded. So at that point, we were kind of expanding and, and yeah. get, getting even more comfortable playing each other with each other than we already were. Yeah, yeah. Because and like and everybody comes from different backgrounds, like you said. So you know, it, it's just kind of crazy what can happen creatively when you get in a space with not only people that have different influences but that are different ages and that come up in their own music path doing different things so you know you get all that and put it in a blender you don't i guess you get something like the first whiskey fox right out yeah you know? yeah and then, and then we tried to sequence the album and brad actually came up with the sequence of how everything would flow the best and be the most cohesive Right. And we actually, I don't think up until like right before the record came out, had that jam at the end. It was going to end with El Camino. And then Benji Johnson, our producer, said, check this out. I found it. You guys were just screwing around. <laughs> we like, well, that's got to go on there. Yeah. <laughs> was that at a recording session, at a practice? How, how did you guys capture that? Yes. Yeah. So when you go in the studio, you know, you kind of, I guess, uh, you're setting the levels and everything. And uh Benji was like, well, y'all just kind of play through and run through something. And we hadn't vocally warmed up yet, so he was getting all the levels on all the instruments. And I think we just started doing that. And you kind of hear a little hint of no quarter at the end because it's just yeah. this, you know, drop D thing we were playing with. But uh, I got yeah. I got my one lead lick on yeah, the album. Yeah, that's <laughs> one lead lick on the album. He's very proud of that. I got him to get like a plaque or something made up. <laughs> Hit the delay and play a couple of lead notes, huh? That's oh, right. Yeah. I did like the only blues bit that I know how to do. <laughs> and on the it's really thing, cool. I mean, it, it's an interesting way to, to end the album because you have El, El Camino, which is a little bit more stripped down and stuff and like folksy or whatever. And then you go into that kind of that space, that more of that space jam or the space ball. What is it? Silver ball space mission. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll let you tell them how you got that name. Too. Yeah. <laughs> for for a while, the last few months of 2019, we practice at Brad's house and rehearse. And he had a pinball machine in his garage. And I think it was called Silver Ball Space Mission. Yeah, or, yeah. <laughs> or just Space Mission, maybe. And we spent a lot of time playing that when we should have been, you know, being productive. <laughs> <laughs> it got your closing track on your debut album. Right. Come on. It was worth it. Yeah. yeah. It was worth it. <laughs> there was a thing on the back from like 1983 of the highest score, and we were all just trying to beat the highest score. Right. <laughs> yeah, some kid scratched in his, his name and number on the back. It's like turn. <laughs> that would have been pretty badass if you guys got the high score and like you could take a picture. That could have been a great like liner and photo or something like that in the album. Yeah. Oh, that would yeah. have been the cover for sure. Yeah, yeah. There, there yeah. you go. And it would have been Brad's score because he spent so much time with it. He just yeah, he's got it in his ass. house. I was gonna say that's his. He should be pretty damn good at it. He's yeah. got the home base advantage. <laughs> well, hey, I'm gonna run through your album a, a little a little bit more if you guys don't mind. Um, the first song's Fulton County Night. Are you? Is that? 
is that um, referring to like Georgia, Point County, Georgia? Yep, Atlanta, Georgia. That's it. So how do dudes from North Carolina get around to writing a song about Georgia? Well, funny story about that song. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I we had just got done with one of our fir- first tours uh, when I came home and wrote it, and we were in Atlanta, Georgia. We had played Smith's Old Bar one night. And the next night we went to see Daniel Donato play there. And I just got incredibly drunk off my ass and was thinking <laughs> about stuff. And, uh, and it, it's about someone that, a girl that I knew that was from Atlanta, even though we weren't in Atlanta at the time. Yeah. And now the whole band says that that song's a lie. Oh. <laughs> well, I was wondering, because, you know, it does sound like a, a relationship song, whether that's a true story, just something you guys came up with off the top of your heads. Yeah. yeah. But, Do you guys have a favorite song on the album? Fulton County, Fulton County is a, one of the funnest ones to play riff wise because it just starts out so hard, you know, and that's why we picked it as the first, uh, yeah. the the first one to hit you off too because it's just got that course Bruce Springsteen count mm-hmm. off one, two, three, and then right into the riff. So yeah. when it, that one comes up on the set, that one I love playing. Yeah. Now all the stuff where we're rocking and rolling, especially, and we generally close shows with last one out, and we turn it into this whole thing and. Just blow it up. I stole from Tom Petty for the live show for that one. (laughs) (laughs) Last one out definitely for sure is a good closer. I had two songs definitely picked out as like more of a rockers, and last one out is definitely on there. Is that the one that gets your your crowd really on the feet and going? Yeah, and it's funny because usually that's the last one, so we're like, after that, bye, and then they're all (laughs) up on their feet ready to go. Always leave them wanting more. That's 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 right. right. Go buy the record. You can listen to it on the way home. See? (laughs) Do you like that one? Absolutely. Um, another track I kind of picked out, too, that I kind of liked was Big Top Town. And, and what is that, like, in reference to? Well, there's a uh, there's a town down in Florida. And, of course, like we said, Whiskey Foxtrot started out as a duo. And me and Sam to kind of, I don't know, I guess, shake hands and kiss the babies with all the clubs and stuff kind of up and down the East Coast. What we wanted to do is kind of introduce ourselves and so we went as the duo and played a lot of shows and, and everything. And we made our way all the way down to Florida. And there's this really, really amazing town, uh, Gibb Town. And it's just, you just got to look it up. But uh, long story short, it's any carnival you see on the East Coast or any fair or anything like that. Usually all those people come from this one central place in Florida. And so it's just a really unique place because you see carnival rides literally in the back mm-hmm. of lots of these people's houses and stuff. And so it's just this really, really colorful town that you pass through and with a lot of lot of history to it. So when we were down there, we had a show that was close to there. And some friends of ours drove us through the neighborhoods and saw all the unique stuff down there. And it was just like most like like the Georgia story where that night, you know, you sit down, you're sitting in the RV or whatever, and then get a, you know, the inspiration starts to hit. You whip, I whipped out my phone and had it written in like not probably 15 minutes right there in the bed and then take it uh, to the band, work it out, and then got a song. You know, you guys have mentioned, you know, Georgia and Florida. And one thing that we always ask, you know, our artists on here, which coincides with kind of like the purpose of the, the podcast, is I always get the sense of that, that music in the South, like, the importance of you know the tradition the tradition of a song seems to be very strong there not to say that that's not the way in other areas of the country but it seems like down there you know whether it is in the southeast wherever it is you know it seems like 
something that you guys down there almost seem genetically inclined with. They're like, yes, this is a responsibility that we will continue. This is a mission. Do you see it like that? Because it just, there's, you know, like I said, with this podcast, there's all these like new, younger kind of bands, bluesy, Southern, Americana, whatever. And it's all just really, really good. It's just great. I mean, so is that something where it's just like, so it's like in your DNA, it's in your atoms. It's, you know, is my take on that? I I think so. And that's, that's one thing like we're kind of doing with uh, the new record we're working on is like a, a lot of the songs I wrote on Hardlines and Headlights were very much relationship songs and was about me being a sad bastard. And so, <laughs> Seth was the one that wrote songs that were about anything other than himself. And that's one thing we've done and tried to keep in mind as we're going forward is there's more stuff to talk about in the world than just ourselves. Problems uh, that are happening right now or stories that have happened in the past and that that's where the whole tradition of folk music in general comes from is just a means of storytelling to pass down through the generations yeah. and it's i mean it's heavily steeped in in the hills of north carolina all the way down to the mississippi delta yeah for another sure. thing that that we seem to find is that when we talk to everybody down there that we've talked to so far that there's a real real camaraderie amongst the bands it's real supportive it's really family-like it's really it's not cutthroat it's not guys trying to like steal each other's gigs or everybody sees each other everybody like what mason said what he told me it's like everybody has like only a few degrees of separation everybody's you know especially with social media but even when you guys are be able to be out there and play people are running across each other and maybe playing some shows together but is that do i have that correct too that it's like very a lot of camaraderie, very much a lot of support from the other bands in this genre down there. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Everyone, I don't know what it is. You know, you grow up reading all the stories about bands from LA stealing each other's gigs and stuff or stealing a PA. And like, yeah. I've never seen anything like that happen here. Everyone from the day that, you know, we both started playing music. There's been people that have taken us under their wings and, and helped us out and paying forward what was done for them. And that's all we can ever hope to do is return that favor. Absolutely. We've heard that story, Brian, time and time again, haven't we? No, for sure. Yeah. Well, I think, too, you know, if you think about where music is now versus where it was and when you guys bring up like stealing gigs or equipment, that's probably, you know, back when stuff was actually on the radio, you had MTV, all these other kind of ways. And, you know, people probably fighting for all where they can get. Now you guys have to support each other because you don't have anybody else. You don't have you know, record companies or radio or anything else. It's like, you you know, you guys sort of have to have these shows together and support one another to to keep everything going. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's it's just a good way to live, too. You can sleep a whole lot better at night when you're not a dick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So good point. My family motto is, and my kids know this, is don't be an asshole. And if if they're being assholes, we make them say it. So that's that's good words to live by. Absolutely. <laughs> there's a there's a songwriter from Winston, Jeff Wall. He has a song called "Love Everybody and Don't Be a Dick." And uh, that's a part from Jesus. Yeah. You know what? We need a lot less people being dicks right now and getting us through all this other stuff. And you know, hopefully, the world comes out a better place here in sometime in 21. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, getting back to the sequencing of the record that you guys were talking about, like how how was it different before you turned it over? Like, like I'm always I'm I'm very fascinated with that process. How do bands sequence a record? You kind of said earlier you were you were doing it and then you turned it over and then it, it took a whole another kind of like perspective on. 
yeah, yeah, because you know it's almost like anything else, entertainment wise, whether it's a book or a movie or um, you know anything like that, and especially when it goes back to that story writing and and that storytelling vibe, you know, you want to at least have the feeling of when a listener listens to it, like, what do you want to portray? So that all falls into, you know, from beginning to middle to end, just like a story. So we tried to lay it out to where the album would be as cohesive as possible. And back to Fulton County, when it starts out, you know, it starts out with a countdown. So just something as simple as that. And then that hard hitting riff and then going out on the, uh, Spaceball, you know, mission. <laughs> <laughs> it fades out and then goes into the radio thing, and you know, yep. so little things like that, and then the stories in between, the the ups and downs. So, you know, we try to think, all right, when a listener's listen to this, what's going to be the most cohesive and entertaining thing? I had to go back, so I've been listening to the album the last couple of days, and like when that hit. I'm like, because I was playing it through Amazon Music and, and I'm like listening. And I had to go back. I'm like, am I still on the right album? Did this skip to something else? It was, but it's super cool though. Like I really do like it. And Brian, that that radio switch and sounds like the beginning of our podcast to the intro to our podcast where it goes between awesome. songs. So I was like, wow, this like sounds like our podcast. Well, you just very, it's very it cool. For it. Yeah. Yeah. With the new stuff you guys are writing, you know, talk about any growth that you see. You know, is it uh, similar to what to what the record is? Do you see changes, or is it in its skeletal forms right now? Uh, it's. Uh, I mean, we've definitely grown in our lyrical writing too, but musically as well. It'll sound like the same band that it was, but it won't. If that makes any sense, right? I mean, we're always going to sound a certain way just because of the influences that are ingrained in our DNA. Um, but as members change, you know, the sounds get a little bit different and, uh, we started experimenting with new instrumentation. Yeah. Uh, Seth's got a baritone guitar and we wrote a lot for oh. that. So it's got a darker, heavier feel yeah. in some spots. Yeah. What kind of baritone is it? It's a Dan Electro. In fact, uh, it was a birthday gift. <laughs> so nice. had no choice in how it looked or anything, but I was happy as hell when I when he he actually showed up at uh, we were having like a birthday dinner, and uh, he showed up and he just handed me like I think the receipt for it. And I was like, "What is yeah. this?" It's like, "Oh, we, we figured it out here. I have this guitar." I was like, oh shoot! And so I guess by him buying the guitar, he wrote a whole bunch of songs yeah. in the key of the guitar. So that's fair. <laughs> what well, so what's it look like? What color is it? It's uh, black with uh, a bunch of metal flake in it. He said the only way I'd get to keep the guitar off is uh, I name it Sparkles. So <laughs> it's Sparkles. Oh. <laughs> well, Sparkles. when you get your, you know, Glam Rocks Kiss tribute band on the side, maybe you, you right. know, can play yeah, that. Just fine. It'll work just <laughs> Hey, um, speaking of influence with you guys, too, and, and again, like, I really like the first album a lot. It's, you could definitely hear different influences. Like, we'll start with you, Sam. What are some of your musical influences? Uh. Well, from the time I was a kid, uh, the, some of the first records I ever remember hearing were Dwight Yoakam. Okay. And so did, I remember being four or five years old and seeing those records in the car with my mom and dad. And then as I, I grew and matured, I had a like a screamo metal phase for a while um, when I was like, a teenager. Like who? Who were you into a screamo metal? Uh, Under Oath, August Burns Red, bands like that, The Chariot, Norma Jean. Um and then I kind of grew out of that phase. I still listen to it every now and then, but I, when I was 16, I discovered Bruce Springsteen. My dad was a fan, and, and that just that changed everything for me. 
and I, you know, had known Tom Petty too because it's always on mm-hmm. classic rock radio. His right. songs. Are. And then after Bruce, I got into Robert Earl Keane, and that led me down the whole alt country side. Right. Uh, American Aquarium, Drive By Truckers, everything like that. Right on. Yeah, Drive By Truckers are awesome too. American Aquarium, they're a, a newer um, band. They're really good too. Yeah. Yeah. That was actually one of the first shows we ever played. Uh, was opening up for American Aquarium and the Corey Hunt Band. Yeah. That was like one or the first or second one we did, something like that. Yeah. Was that was, show in North Carolina? Yeah, it was in uh, Winston-Salem at Muddy Creek Music Hall. Okay. All right, Seth, it's your turn. What are some of your um, influences? Uh, growing up, uh, on my mom's side, my granddad, he played bluegrass. So it was one of those things that that was just a norm as far as what I knew was understood as music. And then whatever was on, you know, top 40 rock and roll radio and whatever your mom and dad kind of listened to in the car. But, um, you know, as I started picking up guitar, I wanted to take interest in music. It started out with that kind of bluegrass foundation and then immediately flipped its head and then went to everything that was happening, like Led Zeppelin, Eric Clapton, and Jimi Hendrix and all the guitar gods. So I went through that whole phase. and But then, you know, you kind of, it folds back on itself. So you find stuff like Waylon and then all the outlaw stuff from... Mm-hmm you know, country outlaw stuff or whatever. So, you know, I, I just got everything from, in fact, you know, rest in peace, Tony Rice did all yeah. that stuff. So, just, yeah. you know, I could, I don't know, I could be listening to something that's a Marshall amp about to catch on fire or <laughs> somebody that's just sitting down with an acoustic guitar telling a songwriter cowboy poet story. So it's, it's, you know, from point A to point B with me. Well, that helps. And, you know, both of you guys have a very varied, varied um, musical inspirations which is good and it's very reflective on the album I mean there's no screamo on there and there's no like heavy like you know but <laughs> you, right. know, you, you can hear the different influence and I think it makes you guys better as, as musicians too an ability to write songs if you just don't kind of listen to one thing or sort of be educated um and kind of one stream of music right absolutely oh, yeah you gotta be you know you gotta be an open door because you never know you know, a famous quote by Tom Petty, you know, when, when inspiration strikes, it's like the heavens open up and you just got that amount of time for however long and you don't know however long that's going to be. So you need to grab pen and paper and, and go. So uh, yeah, I, I always look for anything that's going to be different or that because it's easy as a, as a creative person to get in a rut. So if you can do something to kind of switch that up, it's always good. You don't want to just make the same thing over and over again. If you just listen to a, you know the same band every single day everything's it's going to get uninspired and lackluster like seth said in a rut and and what's what's the fun in that if you're not you know creating and exploring yeah yeah i mean when you're listening to like music that subconsciously affects too like some of the stuff that you probably start writing or doing as well yeah no for sure yeah you know so that's good um all right so Let's get back to North Carolina a little bit again, because we had a man a couple um, podcasts on ago, Southern Governor from Virginia, which is interesting because you don't hear too many Virginia bands. You guys are from North Carolina, a little bit more musical diverse, at least in terms of some mainstream stuff. You know, we talked a little bit about the state. You've got the mountains in Asheville on one side. You got the beach on the other and everything in between. If you go to those different areas regionally, do they have a different style of music or is a different type of music popular? Yeah, like if you go if you go to Asheville and up that way towards Boone, there's very much more of the the folk and country influence. 
Uh, whereas if you head down to the beach, there's a lot of beach music. Yeah, a lot of beach music, Lots which of uh, which I mean really just comes from old R and B and soul music anyway. Okay. Um, how about you guys ever get a chance to play around some of the college? I mean, you've got Duke, you've got University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill there. Like, you know, what, what do the scenes look like around those college towns? Oh, man, it's, I don't know, anything and everything around there for sure. Yeah. So you never know really what you're going to get. And it's almost, um, it's almost like you can go into those places and you'll find almost kind of your crowd, you know, whether whatever music you play for sure. Mm. And it, luckily enough for us that you know the college towns around duke and and chapel hill there's always going to be the bars where they just have a human jukebox playing right uh, yeah all the but cover then stuff. There's, there's the dive bars where you can go in and people go in there expecting to see you know a live band playing their own songs uh, places like slims and downtown raleigh or the poor house or yeah. the cat's cradle they're the, the the people that get it so to speak yeah, so building on that a little bit, um, you know, one of the reasons that Brian started this podcast is he loves this genre of music. He wants to promote it because there's not a lot of places doing that. When you guys get out and plays, particularly some of those areas, too, where you're seeing some college towns and stuff, are you seeing some of the younger crowds, the college crowds, the, the teens, the 20s, really starting to get into this type of music? I, th- I think so. I think it's definitely because it's, it's one of those things um... – you know, it's it's just one of those things that if you like it and you understand it, you love it. And so when those people come out, they're always usually the the ones that, like Sam said, they get it. And so and that and those type of people and this type of music, you know, it's just got such a a um, a dedicated fan base. So anytime you find those fans, they're going to show up no matter what the age they are. Yeah, well, you know, what's what's interesting to me, and which also had the same point. And this is why I'm really. Uh, glad that Brian picked me up as a co-host. He's introduced me to a lot of bands. There are a lot of young bands, dudes in their 20s, you know, you guys who are doing this type of music that I was surprised to have so many new bands doing, like rock, using actual instruments, writing their own stuff and doing their own own things. I was just curious to see if there's a young fan base going with them because I'm I'm in my mid 40s, so I'm older shit. You know, I'm used to actually seeing people play instruments and doing original stuff too, but with this wealth of new bands coming out, you know, it, are we seeing age-appropriate kind of fans build up with them? It is not not necessarily always in North Carolina, because um, a lot of times, heck, I know when I was, you know, twenty twenty-one, I just wanted to go to a bar and get messed up and, right. and not think about anything. <laughs> Hear songs that you knew in the background, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> but there's, I mean, there's little pockets around. Uh, Texas is a great example of mm-hmm. like the young crowd there that appreciates. The original music and the guys, guys and girls that are doing their own thing, um, and so it's it's kind of interspersed all throughout. It may not necessarily be in our area, but but it happens, and and they're around. And there's you know artists that might get played on mainstream radio or something that are those quote unquote bridge artists uh, to connect the gaps between, yeah. you know, the underground scene and then the mainstream. So we've already we mentioned. Uh... Jive Mother Mary, and we always ask our artists, like, who, where, who is a band that you guys are into that have been about, like, your contemporaries have been playing about the same amount of time, same age group. Who's someone that just you think would just knock us out that that we haven't heard about? I mean, I know you would know who we've heard about or not, but who is someone like if you, if I were to ask you, hey, who should I go see tonight? And you knew they were playing, who could you tell us like you got to see these guys? Well, there's 
Crenshaw Pentecostal. Crenshaw Pentecostal, yeah. In fact, we were just talking about her. She unfortunately, she or fortunately, she moved to Nashville. But Morgan Wade, she's mm -hmm. from uh, Virginia, kind of North Carolina area, back and forth. But Morgan Wade for sure. Yep. Another good friend. Uh, are you familiar with the Tennessee Champagne guys? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we were just going to mention that you guys are playing some shows with them. We've had those guys on. Okay, yeah, we're we're actually playing with them tomorrow night. Yeah, right on. Like, yeah. Do you guys doing two gigs in a row with them? Uh, not this weekend. I think that's next weekend. Okay. Yeah. I saw on your website. I was looking at your upcoming gigs. Now you guys are just doing a duo, right? Just the two you playing with them? Tomorrow, tomorrow night we are. Yeah. Okay. Because every, we kind of everybody's taking the new year and Christmas weekends off. So Seth and I figure we just go do a duo thing and and hang out with those guys. They're always a good time. Yeah. You guys known those guys for a while or? Uh, we we met them this summer. Michelle, uh, our manager, has been in contact with them for a little while. But we did our first show with them. I don't know, several months ago, sometime this summer, and we just we just all clicked immediately. Yeah. Right? So I should not, say I had Chris on, not the whole band, but yeah. yeah. He, talk about, I mean, the guy would give you the shirt off his back, and again, that goes to just that supportive network of musicians and people that. It's just that's what you find in this, especially, I guess, in this genre or, or just in this area, for sure. And they're all nuts, just like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brian and I always talk about when this podcast gets super famous and we have all this um, money coming in for sponsorship. <laughs> we're we're going to host yeah. a, um, you know, a festival with all you guys, all these these blues, southern rock, rock bands, for sure. It'd be great. Yeah, we'll be there. Right. You, you, you know, some of our buddies already. Absolutely. Yeah. Speaking of crazy dudes, you just watch out for that Andrew Davis from them from them Dirty Roses. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's and a trip. Tanner Jones from the Comancheros out of Columbia, Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, the say that affectionately. <laughs> the Georgia Thunderbolts we've had on, and and Riley, one, their lead guitar player, a couple times too. Like it, just just a trip. I mean. You guys are all a breath of fresh air to hear the music that's coming out that's your own, but also pays homage to a lot of the stuff that came before it. Young dudes just playing instruments, writing stuff, playing real rock and roll music. It's just it's just a great thing to see. And like I, I do love that album. For those of you listening, go out and take a look at it, guys. It's Heartlines and Headlights. It's streaming. I think Spotify, Amazon Music. I'm sure it's on iTunes. Um, where else can we get this album? Uh, anywhere and everywhere. It's basically on all download or streaming platforms. Uh, but you can go to whiskeyfoxtrotmusic.com and order yourself a hard copy. Shameless plug. <laughs> hey, you guys are on here to promote, and we're here to help you promote. So come on, toss all that stuff out there. Uh, whiskeyfoxtrotmusic.com. It's actually a nice website. All, all those guys on the front cover are still in the band on, on the about side. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. When uh, we had a photo shoot a little while ago and tried to get all the the updated pictures on there with everybody, so when people finally able to come to shows more that can be you know familiar with okay. at least who we are yeah because we yeah with we, that lineup change i wasn't sure yeah, yeah. We, we always want to be able to you know people pick us out and say hey and because we always appreciate it when people are listening and coming to the shows Absolutely. yeah the dude sitting on the uh defender and tweeting up there looks a little bit like neil casal <laughs> does he look like him in real life too or is it just a picture is that you Wait, wait, yeah, which one, which, well, let's see if I'm thinking oh, of the, the, the Fender Tweed, so the actual, the Tweed one, not the, uh, not the uh, silver. It's got a trucker hat on and long yeah. hair. Yeah. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> you? 
It yeah. look yeah. like you. And that's, that picture's a little old because I had a beard in most of those. Yeah. Okay. So it's all clean cut and shaven. Yeah. I still kind of look somewhat homeless. <laughs> well, you look like Neil Casal in that picture. Oh, that's incredible. <laughs> so he's a great guitar player and singer, man. That's another dude that's taken from us way too soon, unfortunately. Yeah. Talking about the the Raleigh scene, there's a great record that uh, Kenny Roby from Six String Drag and Neil Casal did together. It's just phenomenal. You know, not a lot of people got a chance to hear him actually sing. He's he's got a really good voice too. Yeah. I know he's known for his guitar playing, but he had some solo stuff. And like you pointed out, some things where he's in other bands. Like, that's just a shame. And I think it was about this it was about this time last year when he passed or close to it. I think so. Yeah. That's terrible. Well, let's, let's talk about let's talk about good stuff and yeah. not be sad. Um, you guys have any good stories, like a, a cool um, road story or performance story or something that that would be interesting to hear about? I don't know if they're all cool, but we got stories. <laughs> uh, I don't know which ones our lawyer will let us talk about. Yeah. Well, you know, you don't have to say people's names, and you can also use allegedly. So there we go. All- okay, so let's just start out with a broad term: allegedly, one hundred percent on all of this. Yeah, <laughs> I'll let you go first because you got you got the stories, man. Well, there's got a couple. This one we can we can talk about in yeah. good faith. How we got the band name? Um, okay. Was one another show that Seth and I did together when we were first starting out. Uh, we were playing a songwriter round in Winston, and the parking for this bar. I mean, it was a cramped little dive bar. It's what you think of when you think of a dive bar. There's like two feet between the bar and the wall next to it. And uh, we were playing there one night, and it was late, and we were loading out, and we parked in this alley behind the bar, and go out there, and my car's blocked in. The other people we were playing with left, but thankfully Seth and his whole family stuck around, you know, for moral support. support. (laughs) Well, we were just laughing, basically. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. And so this car's blocked me in, and I I called the police to see if maybe I could find out who owned the car. Maybe we could get them to come move it or get it towed or something. And and I'm on the phone, and this, this poor girl on the other end, I sound like I have a mouthful of marbles when I talk. And especially it was late. I'd had a few beers, and and so I'm just on the phone with her reading the license number she's like i'm i'm sorry i can't hear you i was like it's e e b you know whatever <laughs> and she's like I, i'm sorry man i can't understand you and so i just went to the phonetic alphabet of yeah echo echo bravo and pilot <laughs> you know it's just right in my head and yeah. so then not too long after that we were thinking about band names and uh we had a show coming up we need to name name our duo project for and we were kicking stuff around it's like well your last name is Williams, that's Whiskey, and my last name is Foster, that's Foxtrot, and yeah. we came up with that, and we made a Facebook page, and it's too late to turn back. Yeah, and if we had a dime for every time someone said, hey, where's the tango, I would, you know, we wouldn't have to be, you know, struggling to pay studio yeah. time and everything, we'd be flying out to L.A. doing <laughs> studio right? time. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great military term, too, when all things go poorly. Oh yeah. yes, absolutely. That's that's art. a great story though. The yeah, that's name, awesome. Like how it goes with Williams and Foster and everything. That's that's yeah. really cool. And whiskey, man. Who doesn't like whiskey? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Even I don't drink, and I've had sips of whiskey. It's like, oh man, I can get into that. Yeah. Wait a second. <laughs> you don't drink. You're writing all this music, doing the stuff, and you don't drink. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, it's one of those things, man. For for me, when we especially because I started playing at like 14, 15, going to bars. And, you know, and you just hear advice from your family and stuff. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, okay, whatever. And then when you actually 
see things and play and things play out in real life, you're like, oh man, I don't know if I definitely you know want to take yeah. a part of that. So it when you look fun. Yeah, when you're 14, 15 and going into bars every other weekend to play shows and seeing what could what could possibly be you, I'm like, ah. I'm, and I'm, e- even having a bandmate that uh, was a shithead. No. I've I got 13 months today of sobriety. Congratulations. Oh, nice. Good job, nice. man. You know Thank what? You. Continued like success on that. That's great. It's, uh, I'm retired as well. Be 12, retired. Like 12 years at the end of June. <laughs> we're just way too good at it. Yeah, right? I Jason's just get too old and on here. He's What's out that? of control. <laughs> I'm out of completely. Get one or two in me and I go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, ain't nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's just, you know, I got tired of just acting stupid and, and kind of feeling lethargic all the time. Yeah. yeah. So, Seth, you mentioned you've been playing in bars since you were 14. That sounds interesting. How does that happen? How does that yeah, work? Oh, um, like I said, through uh, my Papa Joe or my granddad on my mom's side, uh, him playing bluegrass, he always used to play at this little country store, and they sold alcohol, so it was always like a big party every Monday night, you go down there and jam. But, you know, you start getting into it, and, you know, this person knows this person, and this person has this establishment, so you go and play little sets, and then you make friends that are like, all right, hey, you can come and play or sit in, whatever, open up. And that's how I kind of got started was um, through that, so just acoustic, just, you know, one mic, one guy, one guitar, and just opening up for, you know, either duos or other single, you know, single act kind of people, but, and playing solo shows too, but, you know, just around in the area and my local little spots, just going and playing restaurants and bars. Right on. Until I met him and then it went all downhill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, any other, like, what's the worst, what is the worst, performance story that you guys have not necessarily that you guys were bad performing but like just things didn't seem to go right well spinal tap moment that's right stonehenge you have any have any stories there's one i can think of in particular where we were at a certain spot where i won't say the name (laughs) but and you know again it goes back to that reference of you see what alcohol can do and affect people and man we were playing a we, at the time, we were kind of doing a split set of covers and original stuff. And, of course, we had a lot of good Tyler Childers tunes in there. And we're playing this one <laughs> Tyler Childers tune, and in front of this certain stage, there's two subs, speakers. And, of course, me and Sam up front doing our thing. It's a full band set. And this one guy just thought it would have been so cool to hop up on the subs and try to reach for Sam's mic. Mm. And, and when he did, me and Sam both about come up out of our guitar straps and pushed him off the stage. <laughs> and, it's, and luckily, Sam kept a cooler head than I did. And he's like, hey, we're all here to have a good time. We're all here to, you know, cut up, laugh, have a good time. But this stage right yeah. here, this is our property right now. I believe, the, <laughs> I believe the exact words were, if you try and come on my goddamn stage again. <laughs> yeah, and, Man, and I'm not, you know. I'm not saying this guy wasn't skinny, but he definitely wasn't the skinniest one in the room. And in a certain place, there's this like weird-looking tree pot thing. They got trees inside the building. Huh. And when we pushed him off of that stage, his back went right into the corner of one of those things. And I don't see how he didn't fall right. over. But luckily, his friend was still smart enough, and we got like a Starbucks gift card in the tip bucket. Yeah. Like $12. His, his, his buddy was super <laughs> 
apologetic. <laughs> he was like, oh, guys, I, I'm so sorry about that. This dude, dude was double fisting Miller Lights all night. Oh, long. yeah, we yeah. saw. Was, you know, you can, being so high on stage, you can see people. It's like, yeah. I, in the back of my head, I'm like, man, that's the guy. And sure enough, he was the guy that <laughs> started, yeah. started it all that night. Well, it worked out well because you guys aren't drinkers. I'm sure the coffees were well appreciated then. Oh, yeah, yeah. for sure. In fact, I, I don't know. I don't know how we used it, but uh, I think I probably got like a hot chocolate or something. <laughs> <laughs> a real festive one for six bucks each, right? You've got a twelve dollars right, yeah. one, yeah. <laughs> or a normal Starbucks. I've got a gear question. Like, uh, um, are there? You know what? What you use in the studio is that differ from your live live rigs or whatever like yeah. is there something where you're playing live and you go in the studio and this doesn't sound the way it should or what's the uh, difference between those two amp wise definitely uh it changes we usually play our guitars on on stuff but that that's actually how we came across the baritone was benji our producer had a double neck dan electro one neck was a baritone and one was just a standard mm-hmm. six string and so after playing and messing around with that that's how we you know, got inspired by the baritone. But yeah, you know, we'll usually use a in-house studio kit, try different yeah. mic and arrangements. And um, actually, I think lately we've been running some kind of bass cab that they have at the studio. Um, but usually, sometimes they'll run direct. Yeah. I know I've, I've, there's a Gibson GA15 amp there that I just, I love. Yeah. And if, if I could, I would walk out of there with that. <laughs> yeah. I, I go through a Bogner there at Benji's. Oh, okay. And yeah. Man, that thing is just, yeah, I don't see how the cone and the speaker survived that long because uh, we play with it at full volume in this little cab, and it's just it's it's one of those sounds you just can't replicate. <laughs> it's a good, really good rock rock sound coming out of there. Loud. What's the name of the studio? You want to give that studio a plug? Yeah, Earth Tones Recording Studio. Uh, Benji Johnson runs it. He's worked with a million different people. Eric Gales. Yeah. Um, right on. Mm-hmm. With some, and yeah, he's. Works with anybody and everybody, and he's a super cool guy too. What a what a sweetheart. Yeah, and that's where you did your first album. Yep, it is, and uh, yeah, it's in Greensboro, North Carolina. Okay, right on. All right, um, so we'll go on. We'll build on Brian's gear question here. Um, We'll go with you first, Seth. What is your favorite guitar, and what's your favorite amp to use? Oh man. Right now, amp-wise, I got a uh, Hot Rod Deluxe uh, that I'm surprised I haven't blown the speaker or two <laughs> yet. But got that, and it's a multiple, you know, every guitar is just like anything else. They all kind of feel different. Um, but here here lately, I've been playing uh, my custom Black 35, and it's a custom telly from New Jersey. Uh, if any of your guitar, guitar people out there, check out Black 35's. Uh, out of what, Red Bank or Red? Yeah, I think Red Bank. Red Bank, New Jersey. Awesome, awesome guy. In fact, I'm going to try to be talking to him uh, this year now about another one. But, um, oh, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I'm going to try to work that out, kind of squeeze that in for 2021. But, yeah, uh, my Black 35, I usually try to play that a lot, but I've got a, um, a Les Paul, I think a 2015 just um, studio Les Paul that I really love. It's got, I think, a little weight cut out of it, but it's a my yeah. Full dark wood uh, push pull pots. Uh, that's that's one I literally love. You can't just you can't go wrong with a humbucker. So no, especially Les Paul. I mean the studios are great too. They take kind of the bells and whistles out of them, and they sound just yeah. like anything else. They really do. I'm I'm a big Gibson guy. I love I love Gibson guitars. Yeah, yeah. 
All right, Sam, how about you? Well, uh, AmpWise have been playing through that, that Tweed Blues Deluxe you see in the picture on the website. Um, I would love to have a 59 baseman, though. Like, if I, if I ever change to another amp, that's what I'm going to do because that's the sound. And uh, guitar-wise, usually pretty much playing mostly Telecasters. Uh, I, I love my – I also have a Black 35 that uh, – when I saw Seth got his, I was like, oh, this guy makes <laughs> great work. And so yeah. I talked to him, and he built me uh, a Telecaster. It's based on the color of my granddad's old 52 Ford pickup. Uh, so it's like green and metal flake, and he put a, a P90 uh, T-style pickup in the neck and just some kind of standard telly uh, pickup in the bridge, and it sings. I flipped back and forth between that and a, a blonde Telecaster because of yeah. yeah. Is that three-way switch on that since it's a telly? Yeah. 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 I love telly. That's my favorite type of Fender. I've got a Strat and a telly, but I love telecasters are my favorite non-gibson style guitar you said black 35 out of uh, red bank new jersey yeah yep. that's him yeah. and he he builds everything too i mean he'll build les paul style guitars sgs explorers hollow body stuff he'll do about anything he nice. used to build drums too i believe yeah he started out building drums and then uh, started working with several other people doing some guitar stuff and just started diving really really deep into that in the last few years so but he's finally coming out with actually a signature body, a signature Black 35 body and headstock. So really, really excited for him in 2021 because he showed me some of the proofs. I was like, man, that's going to be rad. <laughs> I'll have to check that out. Brian and I spoke with Chris Robertson from Blackstone Cherry a couple of weeks ago, and he was getting custom guitars out of a place in uh, was it Tennessee. Brian, do you remember the yeah, name of the place? Yeah, Tennessee. Lucky Dog guitars. Lucky Dog. Yes, dude. Oh, you talk about some beautiful guitars. That is some crazy wild stuff, man. I think he switched primarily to just playing those now, too, it sounded like. Yeah, and I think, I believe uh, the lead singer in Steelwoods, he's got a, a Lucky okay. Dog guitar. Okay. Kelly. Or, man, I got to check this stuff out because, you know, I got to start building my Christmas list for next year. <laughs> got 360 days left or whatever. So speaking <laughs> of 2021, like what, when, when we get on the other side of the whole COVID thing, um, will you guys finish up this next record? Will you hit the road? You know what? Where's the priority there? What's the plan? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Hopefully we'll have the record out uh, by this summer. We're not necessarily in a rush to get it out, but we are really excited at the same time about everything we've been working on and sharing it. Um, so hopefully we'll have that out this summer. And as, as soon as we can, we're really going to get back on the road once it's safe and uh, to, to do all that yeah right on jason do you have anything else for our guests yes i do i gotta he brian always throws it to me at the end to ask weird stuff so i'll ask you a serious question then i'll ask you guys a goofy question um, um, <laughs> 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 the real question when are we going to expect this this new album to come out do you guys have a a, a date eta you guys want to drop it not quite yet like i said just kind of spring summer that's what we're kind of shooting for because with this process, with the last one, we had a um, we had the Southern Rock uh, Barbecue Festival down in Florida, and we knew that was coming up uh, in that February. So we were like, all right, we're going to try to cram this in so that way we'll have physical copies to sell, some maybe album merchandise. And so now everything kind of laid back. We're we're trying just to take our time and do it right, but we do with. With this one, it's almost like if you don't have any stress, things go a lot faster. So 
we're kind of getting to a point where it's like, well, it is about to wrap up, but we still want to take our time to do it. So kind of spring, summer, somewhere in there. Yeah. And like we said, most stuff on it is recorded. Uh, the longest part is going to be the mixing and make mm-hmm. sh- making sure everything's balanced right. And because uh, there's a lot of more, a lot more space in this record yeah. in, in the new one. So we want to make sure it's all balanced and it's not by balanced. I mean, just done right. Yeah. Fairly at even balance because right. it's okay to make weird stuff and have a piano way up in front of the mix yeah. and stuff like that. Who's doing the mixing? Are you guys actively involved or is your, your producer? It, it'll be both of us. We haven't got that point yet, yeah. but it, it'll kind of be both of us. And of course, with I'm, I'm sure with uh, with kind of restriction of meeting up, we'll probably get files and listen to yeah. them and approve or disapprove things. So that that's the beauty of the internet is you know Benji can run a mix and he's a whiz at mixing too. I mean even when we're recording, he's automatically doing some stuff. But he'll he'll run a batch of mixes, send it to us. We'll we'll all make our notes and. Yeah. send those back and that'll that process will go on for however yeah. long yeah and for fortunately sure. benji he's one of those guys where you don't have to have a, a list of notes to send back he usually nails it the first time he he definitely knows what he's doing yeah yeah it's not i mean he's worked with a, a couple good artists too so definitely a professional dude absolutely all right we'll use into some of the weird questions real fast what is um and we'll start with you sam um what's a band right now that you kind of look up to and like a lot that's kind of out there in the mainstream in the mainstream. Yeah. Mainstream. Well, Jason Isbell's, uh, he's starting to become more and more mainstream. Him and, mm-hmm. and Amanda Cyrus as well, yep. both of them, and Brandy Carlisle. But Isbell is, like, they're all the prime example of, you know, coming from slugging it out in a van with a bunch of other people and just doing it and trying to be a better person each day and make the best art you can, mm-hmm. and it pays off. He's funny as shit on Twitter, too, if you guys follow him on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, he's got Twitter on the ropes right now. Absolutely. That's <laughs> the only reason I get on Twitter. Is just <laughs> right? You know, he's, he's legitimately funny. Yeah. Yeah, I think if he wouldn't have been a musician, he probably could have been a really good comedian. Like, no joke. Comedian writer, like comedy writer, yeah, for sure. I think so. Oh, he's yeah. pretty, he's quick-witted. Yeah. Yeah. And let his wife go and do the music and do all the stuff, too, because she's a very good musician and nice to look at. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And did you see her stuff with Blackberry Smoke? Speaking of yes. that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. How incredible yeah. was that, man? That was. I, that I, was with the Capricorn Studio stuff, wasn't it? I, I believe so. Yeah, that's a that's a great that's a great album too. Um, and Amanda Shires played. I think and you got lucky. I think the Tom, the Tom Petty cover. Yeah. Maybe? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Backup vocals. That, yeah. That's, her and Charlie's voice, man. That you talk yeah. about pair. So you guys I, are Blackberry I, Smoke fans. What I'm hearing. Oh, heck yeah, dude. In fact, that's where, my 20th birthday, that's where we went, Raleigh. Uh, saw him at right the, on. Live. Tyler Bryant okay. down opened up for him at that point. Nice. Yeah, nice. we had Tyler Bryant on the podcast a couple months ago. Oh, sweet, sweet. I have to go back and listen to that one. He's a good dude, man. Super nice. Like, his wife's super talented, too. Oh, yeah, Larkin Poe. Yeah. yeah, yep. But I, we, uh, Brian and I are big Blackberry Smoke fans right now, and we're like they're, they're kind of the, the flag bearers of the whole rock, southern rock scene at the moment. Yeah, and you know, and the, uh, them and and Sturgill are kind of prime examples of, you know, uh, they don't have to fit that mold every time. They're kind of right. always kind of stepped out, but again, always kind of you know brought the tribute and just carry. It's just one of those things that they're just those musicians and stuff. It's going to have to come out some way somehow, but even 
even in their own way, they're still stepping out and being original and being a little different. So, yeah. love love those guys. All right, Seth, what what's one of your favorite bands right now out there in the mainstream? Mainstream. I guess you could could you consider Sturgill? I guess mainstream. Yeah, right I think so. That's a well known name. Um, a, again, a prime example of like I just mentioned, someone stepping out and doing something different. That Sound and Fury. That uh, that definitely had a, a, a big big influence on me and in, in some of these songs that I've recently come out and written and stuff. Uh, just being able to step outside the box and just not really have to fit a certain mold and just if you think it's cool or you want to do something, you know, get in the studio or get a pen and paper and write it down and do it. So that that Sound and Fury album from beginning to end, I could listen to that all day. Nice. Did you guys watch that movie or the the animated movie with it? No, it's a, I it's seen a old it animated movie. It's just like the wall, man. It's no it's, kidding. Yeah, from beginning to end, it, it doesn't stop. In fact, it's a uh, my buddy. He's a Mopar nut, and we we were sitting there. We watched it, and the first thing you see is this like Cuda coming down the road in this abandoned wasteland. You, you got to watch it. It's awesome. Okay, <laughs> I'll check it out. Okay, my last question. Now, now we'll get to the weirder stuff. We'll start with you, Seth, and we'll go back to Sam. Okay. Tell us a band or an artist that we we would be surprised to hear that you like. Oh man, I think I got several. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the most embarrassing I, one will do. A, a genre and uh, an artist, I, I suppose. Uh, Guns and Roses. <laughs> no, it's definitely <laughs> That's not a, Guns and Roses isn't embarrassing, man. Uh, not for me, at least. Right. <laughs> but I, I kind of love sample music. Uh, I could listen to like Jay Dilla. I love all that stuff. He put together a lot of sample music and, and a lot of things that you wouldn't expect from pieces and parts of music that he put together and a lot of uh, rap tracks and stuff. But uh, yeah, I'm not necessarily like a, a, a rap geek or whatever, but I love the sample music and I can put, take my phone, put it on shuffle or whatever and listen to um, a lot of beats and stuff like that. So, you know, you talk about some weird, abstract sounds and taking music and splicing it together i think that's that's really cool so that's going to be the last track on this next album yeah yeah your we'll next just, face jam yeah we'll just get Cobb instead of uh <laughs> just get him to play some drum beats and then sample that drum beat and put him in <laughs> nice all right sam now it's over to you i guess i have a soft spot guilty pleasure or whatever for like just cheesy 80s pop music yeah. <laughs> yeah there's nothing wrong with cheesy 80s pop music it's the best great. decade for that yeah tears i had for, i mean come tears on. for fears what else yeah uh i mean anything kenny loggins has ever done <laughs> so every movie soundtrack in the 80s essentially yeah I, my ringtone for the longest time was danger zone nice <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, I would, was listening to an 80s channel on Sirius XM the other day, and Mike and the Mechanics came on. And I'm like, man, those guys, for a brief second, had a, had, had, you know, a couple of good songs and things going on, and they yeah. just went away into the ether. But I haven't thought about Mike and the Mechanics in probably 20 years. Go yeah. figure. We were watching My Name is Earl reruns earlier, and they, they <laughs> yeah. played a fine young cannibal song. I was like, that, that was a jam. <laughs> oh, I remember when that song came out very distinctly. I was a teenager, so very cool. Well, Brian, that's my, that's my lightning round of weird questions. Well, guys, thank you for being on the podcast. Sam Foster, Seth Williams from Whiskey Foxtrot. The record is Hard Lines and Headlights, and we really, really appreciate you guys being on and 
I'm ordering the record as soon as we get off here. And awesome. just we've had a great, great conversation, and I really appreciate you guys being here. Yeah, thanks so much for having us and, and for promoting everyone that's like-minded. That's, that's what it's about. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Right on. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Happy New Year. Later. Well, I know I don't have to ask you guys, but uh, uh, I know you enjoyed that interview as you enjoy all of ours, as we do. Um, <laughs> I specifically got a very good kick out of the story where they had to kick the drunk guy off the stage. And he fell on like the potting plant or the pothole or whatever. got coffee out of it too, Starbucks gift card as a, <laughs> as a peace offering. Yeah. Kick a drunk guy off stage, get coffee. I'll tell you what. True story, though. If you go out and you play live music in bars and stuff, at some point there will be a, junk, a drunk person that does get on your stage that you have to deal with. We've dealt with that ourselves with my band. But their story is a lot better, and we didn't get free coffee out of it. You know, as always, those guys can be nicer guys, just like so many other people that, that we we talk to and just very humble and just – yeah, it's it's so cool. Once again, I, I repeat myself a lot, but, like, you know, we didn't we, – we, we, reach out to these guys on email and on the messengers. And then we're like, well, you know, like, are they going to be cool? And of course they always are, you know, it's like, wow, these, and they're always young and they're always cool. And they're always like so humble and grateful. And that makes us feel the same way. And, you know, it's just like, you know, I just, it, I'm, you know, it, it makes me beaming to talk to all these young artists and young bands where it's like, man, I feel like I've known those guys my whole life and it's just so cool. And so, you know, just like, you know, it, just awesome. I don't know what else to say besides battle about how great I think they are. No, yeah, those are totally two good dudes and uh, I couldn't have been nicer for sure. Uh, they told us some good stories. You know, we asked them some good questions. They came up with some good answers for us, even some of the goofy stuff I threw at them. A lot of it shed light on some of the, the um, subject matter of some of the songs they wrote too. And whether it's about, a town of circus people that live together in Florida or heartbreak in Fulton County, Georgia. Um, we heard some cool stuff from them. They were very open and like, you know, it fits right in with that Americana alt country Southern rock kind of thing that they're doing. These stories are great. Yeah. And, you know, and of course them being from North Carolina, you know, they know, know the guys in Jive Mother Mary, you know, so that's cool to see more camaraderie and more support, you know, generally from their area. And, you know, I'm, Jealous that they got to see, you know, Blackberry Smoke with Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown opening. I've seen Blackberry Smoke four times. Haven't seen Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown opening. But I'd I like to see Tyler, Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown, whether they're opening or headlining or whatever. Oh, for sure. And again, hey, you know, you go back to talking about how everybody's been super nice. Even this more established um, acts, Tyler Bryant for one, or you go to Chris Robertson from Blackstone Cherry. Always couldn't be nicer, more down to earth happy to talk to us at the same point too so not just the new bands but even the established crews have been really great to talk to and also so now on my list i'm going to be ordering that record and i I hope to see them live sometime soon that's whiskey foxtrot the album is hard lines and headlights and uh that's sam rogers and seth williams and so glad we got to talk to them and i look forward to getting that record and i look forward to the day we get to see them live and uh, you got anything else for the listeners, Jason? Yeah, yeah. Go check those guys out at their website. Um, they got a merch sale going on right now, too. Help them out a little bit. Get the album. It's great. There's a the track 13, the last one, is a cool space jam. You heard the story on the podcast. Now listen to it. Good dudes, good bands, good music. Check them out. And on that note, always remember, 
Southern Rock is reverent and blues is blood. We'll see you next time. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 